Dun dun dun. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. How are you, Cooper? I'm feeling rather green. Yeah, there he is. There's our green boy. <clears throat> All right, so we have to I still am. do our little audio thing here at the beginning because um, I haven't been able to get that resolved on my end. But uh, we're testing one other thing. I've got the volume cranked all the way up, and I've been told that this should hopefully balance Cooper and I out enough to be at least listenable. So let us know if testing, I'm testing, testing, testing. Hello, hello, hello. Hola. Hola. Trey fifty Daniel says hola, as they say south of the border, that we might actually have now. What do you think of that, Cooper? What do you think of the fact that we may actually have a border? Mm. How does give us give us the perspective of one or one of the the northern wretches? Um, I honestly don't really think about it that much. It's not in my backyard, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Cooper's audio isn't overloading yours now. Okay, good. That is the goal. The goal is are, for us to just at least be the same. Are they relatively close? Are they equal? I can't believe that we were able to, like, we went for so long with things being... Yeah, as, dude, as I went back and listened to uh, the interview we did with Oren, and he and I sound like the same, and then you're, like, half as loud. That's so, so every time every why. time you were talking and I was listening back, I'd have to like crank up my stereo. <laughs> well, that's not good. That's not good. Uh, well, hopefully we've got that resolved. I'm I'm working on getting uh, uh, OBS figured out as well as doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, I think we're going to be start we're going to start using OBS here shortly. And if this works, then that buys me some time. I've just got the volume on my end cranked up to 150. percent I just get one little little slider. And uh, that's all I can do. I can't get it any higher than it is. So the only other solution from here is to try to make Cooper quieter, but I don't know if that's a great solution. So, I mean, um, I can do that. I can just mess with my gain knob here. I should, I should crank it up all the way and blow everyone's speakers. That's what I should do. I don't know if it'd blow their speakers or if it would like just start clipping. Piss them off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Sure. Probably just start clipping. <laughs> I'm sound really distorted. Your uh, your mortal enemy is threatening to make Ohio and Michigan band together against Texas. Ain't gonna happen. No, no. I think Ohio's on its own. Wait, isn't didn't Ohio um didn't they uh aren't they getting behind Texas? That's what I've heard. Uh, I actually haven't followed. Who's the governor? Who's, for the, who's the governor of uh, Ohio? Uh, Mike Dewine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't followed that super super closely today because i've been working on some other stuff um marshall i'm not jewish <laughs> i might be like one percent <laughs> ninja turtle <laughs> i'm Do like, you like tunnels you know i don't know i haven't really spent a whole lot of time around tunnels i i really like to take the question seriously I have I've been in caves a few times and I went to Mammoth is... Caves in uh Kentucky. Yeah, I haven't been there. I've gone like like in the caves Spelunking? where yeah, like where you like have to crawl through certain areas and stuff. I'm good. 
Yeah, like, no, that's not. People don't belong there. I don't understand these <laughs> yeah. these videos. I saw one the other day of some guys who were going through a tunnel that was probably I don't know maybe three feet like from top to bottom, and it was half full of water. And the guys, and it was getting like, getting lower and lower as they were going along there, and so they're having to like go through and like keep their mouth up to try to keep their mouth like so they can breathe. And then one of the guys just started, just lost his mind, just completely freaked out and was like, nope, I got to get out and just like steamrolled the other guy and mashed him into the side of the cave and like bashed his face. His face is all bloody and everything and, and just scrambled out would had just had a total panic attack. And I was like, just just don't go in there in the first place. There's no good reason to go through. I don't, I don't care if a Gartha is on the other side. We don't need to find a Gartha if it means we have to go through shit like that. (laughs) Well, if I knew for a fact that it was on the other side. I might risk it. Yeah. If I don't know that, take some pictures and bring them back. (laughs) Okay. Have you heard about the guy in? um, I don't remember which state it was, but he was he was like spelunking and got (laughs) got stuck upside down. Oh yeah, and then back into a place and they couldn't get him out and he. Yeah. Well, he. Yeah. Apparently, that particular. Okay, so in that particular uh, cave system. There's a there was a famous passage called the birth canal or something like that. Yeah, that's really tight. And he thought he was at the birth canal because, oh, this is really tight. So he just kept digging himself in deeper, thinking that it would open up and it never did. And then they couldn't get him out and he just died there. Oh, man. And it took him like it took him hours. He was stuck upside down, completely wedged in, couldn't move forward or backward at like like this angle for I don't know. I, I think it was like, like two days or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, I, I like, I'm starting to get antsy just thinking about it. That's, that's, I'm good. I'm good. William Leonard says, I used to do foundation repair and restoration in LA. We had to crawl underneath houses in the dark. One can get over claustrophobia. I, I don't doubt that one can get over claustrophobia. And I don't even, I'm not that claustrophobic. I'm not claustrophobic, but going this, I think, you know, going into a cave. Yeah. In the going, being in a tight space wouldn't bother me that much. Like if I had to like squeeze through like a really tight opening or something like that, like, or like there's a really narrow passageway I had to go through that wouldn't bother me. It's the being underneath significant heavy things and being in a, in a tiny place. So if it's like a house up above me or a building or like, like feet of rock and earth. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I I don't, that's not the way that I want to go out. I do not want to go out buried underneath a bunch of dirt getting slowly crushed to death and suffocated. I had a I had a teacher in high school who was she was like a morbidly obese lesbian who <laughs> liked who liked going spelunking. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was there I there's the jokes are 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 just really springing to mind here. She also used to go like uh you know, like swimming with sharks in the cage, and like you get in the cage and go down underwater and swim with the sharks. She liked That's doing that cool. too. She was pretty adventurous for being like a middle-aged lesbian who was, I don't know, probably three hundred and sixty pounds. Holy crap! <laughs> uh all right. Well, for those of you who this is your first time watching, welcome. This is King Pilled. I am Matt, and that's Cooper. 
and we are uh, we're streaming on YouTube, we're streaming on Twitter, we're streaming on uh, Facebook. You can like our Facebook page. It says King Pilled, the name of the show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Real King Pilled. You can follow him at Cooper Brooks, even though he'll never tweet anything. And uh, then do us a favor and like the stream. We've got uh, let's see, we've got 22 people watching and eight likes. Come on, you guys, 22 live am, watchers, uh... eight likes. I do have apprehension about spiral staircases. Really? Well, okay, specifically narrow spiral staircases and additionally carrying things up and down narrow spiral staircases. Hmm. That kind of gets a uh, that gets my That's neck all tense. There's a story huh. there. In well, any case, is it a story worth telling? Not really. Just a, enough of a story to like imprint in my brain and kind of make me my palms sweat when I think about it. Do you know why spiral staircases typically spiral the way they do? <laughs> the uh, is it like the the Coriolis effect or the Doppler effect or something? Oh, there there may be something to that. I don't know. I know that the way that they uh, like medieval castles constructed their spiral staircases so that someone who was coming up the stairs would have it would be awkward if you're like right-handed holding a sword and coming up the stairs as everything's constantly curling around to the right it makes it hard to, mm. to sword fight but if you're coming down it's a lot easier that was the uh that's the explanation i was given at least and it makes sense to me <clears throat> and my mortal enemy is my other mortal enemy is talking yeah, they're both in the here. chat <laughs> i didn't say i don't like like spiral staircases aren't cool i think they're i think they're awesome but i just yeah, you no, just don't I've got want to be some, on them. Got some history. In any case, <laughs> I'm a week into a cut. How's that feel? It feels two pounds lighter and kind of hungry. Mm. See, the way that I decided to cut was I just got really sick and didn't eat for three weeks. And yeah, that'll do it. Like magic, I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> and I managed to keep it off. <laughs> probably mostly muscle. But... Yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, four ninety nine super chat from our good friend Marshall Forward. Thank you, man. He says also everyone's super chat. I I fully endorse this message. We we will not at all stand in the way of you giving us money. We're we're very happy for you to give us money. Um, so this is another one of those where I don't know to what extent you guys the, like the the bulk of our listeners. I don't know to what extent you guys are extremely online the way we are, or the way I am at least, particularly extremely on Twitter. So I don't know to what extent you guys are clued in to everything that's going on, but we're going to cover the bases uh, just so, you know, as we, as we weigh in with our opinion and our, our um, guaranteed to be right predictions and uh, such things, you guys are all on the same page. So <clears throat> yesterday, uh, obviously there's this issue at the border with um, uh, the Texas border they the the federal government has been going in and the, the border patrol has been going in and cutting the fences cutting and removing and lifting there's like video of them using like forklifts to lift the 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 border fence up that the uh that texas has installed uh to let illegal immigrants in the the federal government is actively letting illegal immigrants in and they've been coming in by i think it was eight million in 2023 that came in which is just just a, an absolutely staggering number first of all it's fascinating to me that we have a documented number of the number of illegal immigrants in the country. So it's like they can count them. They've, they've counted them. They know how many there are. 
but they're there. They're just 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 letting them in. Like it's funny that they haven't even been like like not even counting. They're just like they let them in and they're just like, oh yeah, just just kind of disappear. So I so that makes me think that the eight million number might even be understating it. I don't know how I they guarantee. Got that. I guarantee it's understated. Yeah. yeah, which would mean if that's understated, I mean, ten million, fifteen million. I like this is just an absolutely staggering number of people who have entered the country illegally. And I, I mean, I'm sure some of them are going to justify their stay, but that's like the, the population of, of like a, like LA, like, yeah. A sprawling metropolis. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, it's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. C- Cable says he's betting. It's more like 12 to 15. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And, and 20, know who knows? Of, yeah. Freaking 30. Frankly, it's such a it, it's such a huge expanse as well that I mean honestly you could that that number of people could spread out fairly well but even 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 then there's still the effect is being noticed the cost you of, get to a certain point like you get to a certain number where just like the number stop meaning anything in my head like you could say thirty million or you could say thirty trillion and this wouldn't really mean make in my head it wouldn't make a difference. It's like yeah, that's it's beyond like uncountable number. Y- yeah, it's beyond <laughs> my conceptual ability. Uh-huh. So they're just zeros on a page. So the Supreme Court uh ruled narrowly. Now there's there's some people who they're not quite we have to be autistic here. They're not some of them aren't quite getting exactly what what happened here what the Supreme Court ruled on. It was actually an extremely narrow ruling for the Supreme Court. All they did is say that while this while this uh, uh, case is waiting to be heard uh, in the Fifth Circuit Court, that the uh, federal government has the right to go in and cut the barriers that Texas has erected. It's a very That's narrow true. ruling, which I think is in part because they are um, they're essentially doing something kind of comparable. We were talking about this in the the Kingpilled uh, Discord last night on the voice chat. And it was kind of comparable to what happened with Texas v. Pennsylvania in 2021 with the uh, the Electoral College case. I don't know how freely I can speak on this, this particular subject. Um, that particular case, the, the Supreme Court basically just punted on it because I think I think this is like a an, an act of self-preservation by the Supreme Court justices themselves. They're like, these are issues that are that are above our pay grade. We're not getting into it. So we're going to we're going to provide opinions on the least most like the 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 least rocking the boat way possible. So in this particular case, they're like this is an issue that needs to be sorted out between the states and the federal government, and we're not getting involved. So as a consequence of this, uh, we talked about this in the last episode that the. Uh, we were like, okay, well, I wonder what Greg Abbott's going to do. And I had, my suspicion was that Greg Abbott was going to tell the feds to go kick rocks. And sure enough, he did. But he did it in even more, uh, I don't know, startling fashion than I expected him to. So this is the letter that that was uh, that he posted on Twitter yesterday. Which, first of all, for the people who say Twitter doesn't matter, that Twitter isn't real life, Twitter is the like exclusive platform that government, major government officials are, are choosing to communicate. Hey, uh, quick detour. Uh-huh. 
GH in the chat says, it's interesting. Conservatives advocate for free speech and present themselves as anti-cancel culture. And yet they ghost ban people on these chats every chance they get. Is he talking about us? I have no idea. I don't even know what ghost ban means. Yeah, I don't know either. I just, I, I'm a, I, I see him on the restream. I don't see him on the YouTube chat, even though restream is saying he's commenting on YouTube. Do you know what that's about? Uh, let's see. Uh, you might have just got from, your, you might have just you got from, yourself banned, dude. Like this might yeah. be a you and YouTube problem. If you switch from top chat to live chat on YouTube, then I see it. I see his comment there. <clears throat> he said, uh, ghost ban is when a wrench bans you without knowing. Oh, I oh, see what he's whoa. saying. Did Holy you just realize there's a difference between top chat and live chat? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I don't know what the di- what the point is or what the difference is. Like I don't know how they decide what's going to be top. Apparently, they didn't think GH's comment was 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 considered top because it wasn't visible. <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. So for real, like I'm a boomer. Boomer moment. Holy cow! <laughs> oh, oh, Kyle. Well, Kyle didn't know either. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not the only retard here. <laughs> You're in good I company. was always wondering, like, why some some things show up on Restream and not on YouTube. I never put that together. <laughs> it always defaults to top chat for whatever reason. And I, I genuinely can't fathom what they use to differentiate between the two or, or even what the purpose of it is. It is it like, I guess maybe if you like have a ton of commenters and the, the comments are flying by, then whatever their algorithm picks out as the top ones, you might want to see those. But I don't like... It's just odd. We use YouTube anyway, because it's what's here. But sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this was this was Greg Abbott's the the letter that Greg Abbott posted, and the <clears throat> and where he chose to announce this was Twitter. This is this is one of the most significant statements I've seen from a, uh, a U.S. politician in a very long time. I, I don't. I just we'll get into it. So. January 24, 2024, he says, the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. That is a whopper of a sentence, particularly in the current climate. Notice he didn't say the Biden administration. He didn't say the White House. He didn't say the executive branch. He didn't say the Democrats. He said the federal government. That's a strong statement. And I'll say too, like people... Uh, Greg Abbott has a, uh, a reputation for being a squish and I've had, I, by starting to tweet about this sort of stuff, I've attracted the single dumbest group of people I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> Perfect timing, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper would be number two. <laughs> the single dumbest group of people that I've ever encountered are the people who are rabidly pro-Trump and rabidly anti-Greg Abbott to the extent that, like, on this issue, they're like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Or, in fact, they're like, this is bad. You guys shouldn't be happy about this because he's working on importing H-1B Pajits. I- I've had these these retards in my comments for for the last couple of days. I'm like, how do you guys tie your own shoes? How did you manage to create a a, 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 
a profile on here? How did you manage to create an account and start tweeting? Like, how do you even know how a smartphone works? <laughs> if you don't understand the difference between a border razor wire fence that is keeping out literal millions of illegal immigrants from just coming in, how do you not understand the difference between that and bringing legal, quote unquote, legal H-1B uh, tech workers and stuff over here? Like, I'm not saying that that separate thing isn't a problem. And obviously, it's a problem. Obviously, it's something that is uh, uh, non-ideal for a lot of reasons and needs to be reformed. But I would say that the literal millions of people who are just on mass storming through the border being actively facilitated by the, by, facil no, yeah, facilitated no, by the federal government i'd say no those ID, are a little bit different no id nothing just right. just hordes of yeah i, I i'd say unwashed. these are approximately different things and maybe we should react to them a little bit differently so this is a strong statement from from mr abbott here to start off with First of all, to even speak of something like the compact between the United States and the states, this is this is constitutional language that isn't fashionable right now. To even recognize that there is things like the states and the federal government and that there's a, a compact that exists between them. So one of the things with Abbott is he has, as an attorney general, a guy who is an absolute bulldog. Ken Paxton was the guy who who uh, filed the uh, Texas v. Pennsylvania case. He's been on Tucker Carlson. You can go listen to him there. He is a bulldog, and he just survived an impeachment attempt from the actual, like, rhino squishes in uh, the Texas government, and he's out for blood. I would My, my assumption is that Ken Paxton wrote this letter. So he says, the executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration. Despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand, President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress. Instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry, President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is to illegally allow their en masse parole into the United States. By wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas's border security infrastructure, President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along the state's southern border, bridges where nobody drowns, and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. It's interesting that he, he has that little uh, parenthetical thought there, bridges where nobody drowns, because the entire uh, uh, media establishment's angle on this has been that, uh, that the, the uh, Texas Guard is... Um, uh, standing by as, as children drown in the Rio Grande instead of helping them because they're, you know, heartless and evil and all that. So he's, this little parenthetical statement is like, the only reason they're coming there to drown in the first place is because you guys are luring them there. Under President Biden's lawless <laughs> border policies, more than 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed our southern border in just three years. 
That is more yeah, than the population of 33 different states in this country. And I think this means this, the 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed our southern border. He's just speaking of Texas. So over the last three years, just into Texas, the number he's presenting is 6 million. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and the other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That is why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4, which promises that the federal government shall protect each state against invasion, and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. The failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4 has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to this state the right of self-defense. For these reasons, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border. So this is strong language. This is this is like, I don't care what you think of Greg Abbott and his history of his political policies, him kissing the wall, him, you know, whatever. Objectively, this is one of the single strongest statements that a U.S. politician has produced in I don't know how long, like uh, in terms of like official statements. This isn't just an empty, it, this isn't just empty rhetoric because it's the type of rhetoric that isn't possibly empty. It can't be empty. You can't be calling him a lawless president, accusing him of crimes, and declaring an invasion and saying we're going to react to this as to this as if this is an invasion and if you facilitate that invasion we're going to treat you as a hostile power these are these are very very strong terms the brilliant thing about this approach that we kind of touched on in the last show is that this really really puts the biden administration in a pickle because they have two choices here. They can back down, which makes them look weak and is essentially an admission of the criminality that they're being accused of, or they can escalate. And escalating would mean this like idea of illegal immigration is already massively unpopular. Something like whenever people, whenever they do polls and say whatever you want about the polls, but whenever they do polls, it's like, like 75 or 80% of people of, of all Americans, of all political parties believe that illegal immigration should be, should be stopped. Most people aren't even, aren't even remotely aware of the actual severity of the situation, the act, the sheer number of people who come across. Like if you talk to some blue pill person and you, you try to explain this to them, like the official numbers are 8 million people came into the country illegally last year. 8 million people is like the population of Houston or something. I don't even know. It, it's, I'm pretty sure that the, the population of the state of Washington is like 7 million people. The entire state. 
So what did he say here? It's more than the population of 33 different states in this country. So there's 33 states, 33 of 50 states in the U.S. have a population less than 6 million, which is the number that has come across the Texas border in the last three years. So this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's transparently the Biden administration engaged in open warfare functionally on the southern the southern border states <clears throat> particularly texas and pretty clever calling it an invasion right <clears throat> right and i think so this is this is i think important particularly as we talk about um political strategy uh messaging the sort of things like moving forward throughout the next the 2024 and whatever is happening through all of this there's a lot of people who have um especially our guys, I'm very much one of these people who has gotten really tired of hearing the term constitution. We're like, it's like someone talking about the constitution kind of is, is like, uh, it's like a boomer signal. However, for the sake of political expediency and, and actually being able to, uh, rein in any of this sort of uh, uh, chaos that's being fomented by the radical left. Being able to do things under the auspices of the Constitution makes the, makes the job a lot easier than otherwise. Because if, if we have to cross the threshold where we have to just throw out the Constitution, like, con like consciously throw out the Constitution, and then try to do things, there's going to be way, way, way more opposition to that. It's going to require... Uh, the amount of political will that is probably not amassable in the U.S. and at least and won't be for probably at least another ten years, maybe more. So if you're if you if your your hope is that there's going to be something accomplished that is extra constitutional, you're just making life a lot harder on yourself. Now it's possible that that's what it's going to eventually come to, but we can't just jump to that right away because of the number of people, the number of good, decent, respectable people who are not remotely psychologically prepared for venturing beyond the domain of the constitution. In fact, most of the people who are like, like, Oh, just, just constitution, stupid, retarded, just throw it up. Just, just tear it up and throw it away. Like most of those types of people, this is just like edgelord behavior. You wouldn't want to actually see what it would look like if we established a precedent with the way this, the society is right now if we were just going to throw out the Constitution altogether and not even pretend that it's a fig leaf. The forces that that would unleash would be immense. If you listen to the, the interview that Curtis Yarvin did on Chuck Dirk's show, that's Charlie Kirk for the uninitiated, the, the, uh, one of the points that he made that I think, I think Chuck almost actually like, didn't completely pick up on it, what he was saying is that the brilliance, the actual brilliance of the Constitution is that the thing that we, we tend to hate about it, which is that it kind of like it doesn't hold anything back. It's kind of just like a, you know, it, it's a, a malleable document, which sort of defeats the purpose in most cases. That actually can work to our advantage. Because what it, what it means is that there's actually a path forward for our guys to amass executive power within the auspices of the Constitution. And if that's possible, 
then suddenly that means that the boomer waffen doesn't have to stand in our way of actually accomplishing something. <laughs> have we come full circle on the constitution? Um, I think, I think that it has utility. I think being able to do something like, like, like cable here says, um, uh, it's, he says it's kind of become a boomer talking point, but there's something to being able to say what the Biden admin is doing borders on, if not completely crosses over into treason territory. Yeah. Like it's, it, because there is this, because this sort of thing is written down in like explicit terms. Sure. Like the constitution didn't do anything for preventing us from getting to this point. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be of some utility in wrestling control of the situation. It just means you have to be clever. Because I was thinking about this today. <clears throat> and, well, here, let me, let me go to this other. Uh, what has happened uh, since then is there's, there's a few other details here to, to kind of flesh out exactly what's happening. We got a super chat. Oh, yes, we did. Let's see this. William Leonard, $5. He says, so whoever's doing this, their goal is to destroy the culture and overwhelm the welfare system. What do you think? Probably in part. Yeah. I think I think, I think, think part of it is um, sheer incompetence. I think a big part of this, like the Biden administration is not full of competent people. If you see like pictures of the people who've staffed the Biden administration, these are like millennial shit libs not only that they're like <laughs> it's like they're like from like a uh you know like a b-list horror film like these yeah. monstrous ghouls from the edge of like <laughs> yeah. the edge of the map you're right <laughs> josiah said a shovel can get you out of a hole you dug with that same shovel right yeah you don't have to be ideologically devoted to the Constitution to recognize its utility in a particular circumstance. As for for why people are why the the people who are doing this are doing this, I think one of their motivations is it, it's very short sighted, and I think they've they've underestimated the political will that can be present within the population. But one of their motivations is bringing all these people in and getting them voting. There's nothing. There's there is nothing tangible that prevents these people from voting. And if you can bring them in and get them voting, you can also use them to, uh, if you bring enough of them in and you get them all on the voter rolls and you get them all on the voter rolls as Democrats or as any political party, really, whatever political party you want to use as the establishment party, then you can do like a, a, a congressional representation uh, apportionment updates. Or, you know, you, you can go through and you could say, well, look at this population. There's so many people here and look at the representation relative to the number of congressmen there. We need we need more congressional seats to 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 uh, 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 suit this population, this new population that's here. So there's there's a political angle to it. There's also a cultural angle of just like just destroy, undermine. It would be like so easy. To just point out how absurd that is, like. Oh, you've got all these millions of new people. This didn't come from reproduction, like right, right. And this is where, like the, thinking through this kind of stuff. It's or maybe like, they're just thinking a generation ahead. Like you get all the illegals in here, then their kids are American citizens. You know, I guess right. That well, yeah, too. that's that's another big thing. Yeah, the birthright citizenship is like like you're you're 
you're essentially creating a, a, a docile buck broken population that is easily controllable. The problem is I think, I think, and I, I think this is people who tend to get blackpilled about this sort of thing. I think their perspective is too narrow. I think their, their, their timeline is too short because a lot of these policies, these undertakings have been around, for, have been going on for quite a while. They've been in, in the works and then going on for quite a while, <clears throat> but the the development of social media technologies and our population on them and the um, enhanced ability to network and organize and um, uh, create narratives counter to them has I, I I think it just it changes the calculus but it's updating so quickly that you know there's a lot of the machinery of these sorts of institutions moves very clumsily and slowly and you get yourself pot committed on a certain approach. And then, <clears throat> you know, you get a, a Trump phenomenon that happens. The tr like, so Trump happens, Trump draws a whole bunch of people to Twitter, Twitter turns into the legitimate town square, then they have to go through the whole Russiagate thing, they have to go through um, the uh, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, all of these things. And then COVID, and the electoral crisis, we'll call it, and all of these things happening, a lot of these are reactive. These are like, like we're starting to lose control of things. So we need to foment some sort of a chaos. We need to try to throw, throw a stick in the spokes. We need to try to get back control of things. Can we just take like a second to talk about how freaking weird COVID was? It's crazy to like, it feels like it was forever ago. Uh-huh. It wasn't that long ago mm -hmm. and it wasn't that long. But it felt like forever. That was a weird. That was a weird few years, man. I remember it being like, like if you would have told people then that things would be where they are now, in terms of like, you know, Republican governors uh, organizing, and uh, like the, 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 and that we would be as as quote unquote free as we are now, like. It felt for a while there like the lockdowns were going to become like a real thing, like a regular thing that were going to happen a lot. <clears throat> but now, I mean, knock on wood, it would take, I'll say this, a lot of the things that have been happening have been really implanting themselves in people's minds. It's sufficient people that I think that each new uh op that comes down the line gets harder and harder to believe and harder and harder to sell. And the competency crisis, that thing that is very real is really making a lot of this more difficult because yeah, the people like, who are trying to execute these sorts of operations are becoming more and more retarded. <laughs> yeah. Like Kyle says here, imagine summing up 2020 to 2024 to someone in 2019. Yeah, dude, that was yeah. like, that was like a twilight zone episode. Imagine trying to sum up 2020 to 2024 to someone in 2014, <laughs> like even five years before. I mean, one year before it would have been difficult to believe. Five we years noting... before it would have been like, like <laughs> you're in a different world. We've known each other for four years, dude. Oh, that freaking flew by. Yeah. I keep telling people, oh, we met like two years ago or something. <laughs> you didn't give me a card. I'm offended. I didn't get you socks with my face on it either. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So, so here's the the uh, an updated state. I, I, as far as I know, this is the last I saw. This is the number of governors who have now uh, signed on to a a statement in support of Texas. So again, I want to I want <clears throat> to emphasize the language that Texas used was very, I don't want to use certain words, um, uh, big emphasis on states' rights. Big emphasis on states' rights in a way that is not fashionable to talk about. That the vast majority <laughs> of people aren't even aware that that actually exists. This is not Republican squish stuff. This is, this is, this is significant language. I don't want to use the terminology, but I think you guys understand the terminology that I'm hinting at here. This is this is expressing a a it, this is a legally sophisticated argument that is very well calculated at putting Texas into the driver's seat on this engagement with the federal government. My stupid governor. Yeah, so so for the people who aren't uh, aren't, aren't listening or people who are listening and aren't watching, the only states that have not signed on are Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, DC, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, and Maine. Vermont is the only Republican governor. Did you say who has Hawaii? Not signed on? Oh, and Hawaii as well. <clears throat> I forget Hawaii exists. Yeah. Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, Buck Johnson says the Abbott statement sounded like it could be written by Tom Woods. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> so this is what these, these Republican governors all signed on to, uh, a statement here, 25 Republican governors released the following joint statement in support of Texas governor, Greg Abbott and Texas's constitutional right to self-defense. Uh, they said, President Biden and his administration have left Americans in our country completely vulnerable to unprecedented illegal immigration pouring across the southern border. Instead of upholding the rule of law and securing the border, the Biden administration has attacked and sued Texas for stepping up to protect American citizens from historic levels of illegal immigrants, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and terrorists entering our country. We stand in solidarity with our fellow governor, Greg Abbott, and the state of Texas in utilizing every tool and strategy, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. We do it in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who entered our country illegally. The authors of the U.S. Constitution made clear that in times like this, states have a right of self-defense under Article 4, Section 4, and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional compact duties to the states, Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and our nation. <clears throat> so this is a, I, I just don't know how to, I, I don't know how to say it in any, any other way. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This doesn't mean that this is the happening. It doesn't necessarily have to be the happening. But this is a, 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 a seminal moment this is a legitimate, I don't know if you'd call it a constitutional crisis per se, but we're well on the way toward constitutional crisis further than we yep. have been in any time in recent history. 
Uh, welcome, TK. Welcome to the Kingpilled. Uh, another channel member, and he sends us a $5 super chat and says, apologies on behalf of Kansas. Pretty sure our governor cheated to win. I think Arizona, you could say the same thing. Yes, yes. Marshall Forward says, isn't Kentucky and North Carolina also at least Republican states, but they have Democrat governors? I, 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 is that the case? Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that's I, the case with Michigan. Yeah. If it weren't for freaking Detroit, dude, it's Wayne County. That's the only thing. The rest of Michigan is just like, I mean, so red, it's almost black. Mm -hmm. But you've got freaking Wayne County. In in uh, Washington and Oregon, both, basically everything outside of uh, King County is where Seattle and Bellevue are. And then um, I think I want to say it's like Multnomah County or something like that where Portland is. Basically everything outside of that is all a uh is all very very red like eastern washington is one of the reddest areas in the country i guarantee you they're all i mean those are those are good old boys those are good old boys where like if all all greg abbott would need to do is send out a tweet that said volunteers needed and there would be a caravan of good old boys headed from eastern washington down to texas they would be ready for for the they'd be ready for a party <clears throat> and that's what like that's the angle that this sort of thing is 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 going toward, where that that sort of sentiment exists and it's being stirred up. And I don't think people appreciate just how significant that is. This doesn't have there, there's there's the whole nothing nothing's going to happen crew, like the guys that like are, are are you know mad about Greg Abbott going to India and trying to import Indians to come work as in call centers or whatever. The <clears throat> They're like, oh, this isn't going to turn into anything. This doesn't mean anything. Nothing's going to happen. Motherfucker, this is happening. This is already happening. There's not a question of whether something is going to happen. It actively is happening right now. And it's funny, before this, 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 this public statement came out from these states, what's been happening is over the last like day or so, all the different um, Republican governors have been coming out and tweeting support for Greg Abbott. Sometimes it's been secretaries of state or um, or the, the the political party for a given state has tweeted support for Abbott. But everyone's, they're all coming out and they're all expressing support for Abbott. And uh, what I was thinking is, now I don't know about the legality of, of, of aspects of this, but if you could figure out to do how to do this in a legal way, it would be great to see these states, like the states that signed on to this, this uh, letter or even a smaller group of them, organize something you could call it maybe like the uh constitutional accountability board or something like that just some kind of like anodyne name but it would basically be an organization of individuals of of, of uh, like a collective of individual states who are going to come together and they're going to ensure that they're going to hold the, the the federal government responsible for adhering to the constitution or something like that it just has to be it just has to be a a, a really generic, like, seems kind of meaningless. But in reality, what it does is it begins to set up the appearance of a legitimate um, organizational structure that can either hold the existing federal government structure accountable to its mandates or pose as a legitimate uh, counter option. Trey 50 Daniels says CRC constitutional reinforcement committee, just anything like that. 
And again, it doesn't have to be. This is what this is what these these mouth breathers. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, it's just a it's just a show for the for the election. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have a case pretty soon where uh, Greg Abbott is literally riding in a chariot with a battle axe, hacking the <laughs> heads off of illegals, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, he's just doing it for show. It doesn't actually mean anything." <laughs> like. These guys are, are, are just so hopelessly blackpilled that they can't recognize an opportunity when they see it. And I think part of this is because there's this conservative instinct to be like, okay, we need to find just the right set of policies, instantiate those policies, and then dust our hands off and go on with our lives and let the government run itself. And then when any sort of crisis or any sort of thing comes up, they're like, okay, we need to find the solution that allows us to solve everything and we can go back to our lives. But unfortunately, that's not how you have a civilization. You have a civilization by each generation focusing their effort on maintaining governance structure in their society. This isn't like a job where you're just going to come up with the perfect code system and then and then just cut it loose and it's going to you're going to have automated government. That's how you but wind the, up with with the World Economic Forum. <laughs> but Bitcoin and the blockchain, dude. Yeah, smart right, contracts. Yeah, they still require people. It still requires the personal and personal investment. You have to be on the lookout for corruption, and you have to I'm be able only to, junkin', to do more with them. Yeah, no. Glonk Respector says, conservatives <laughs> really just want to grill. I get it, but those days have been over for a long time. I love that name. Just want to grill? Oh, Glonk Respector? <laughs> yeah, Glonk. <laughs> have you you see his, his, his picture? Yeah. It's the, like, the really serious Down syndrome guy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh, shout out Glonk. These, yeah, if, if Red Caesar showed up, they'd still purity spiral and denounce him. Right. They're, it just. <clears throat> Good thing Red Caesar doesn't need them. Yes. And that's the thing is like, if you come out and you see this sort of thing happening and your instinct is, I, I don't understand, like, what's the instinct? The instinct is, is oh, nothing's going to happen. Is this just so you can, like, you put out your prediction and then if something, nothing happens, then you can go back later and say, see, I told you nothing was going to happen. Like, what's your function? What, what utility do you provide? Just the guy that says nothing's going to happen? <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have a, you're, you're going to be, you're going to have a great reputation until one day when suddenly you're the moron who didn't see what was happening right in front of him and you got hit by a train. You don't need to have a, a an opinion on what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, and it seems to me that like uh, situations like this, belie that these folks are still at heart like democracy simps because mm -hmm. they're yeah like well i don't have the one guy or the one solution yeah there's not red caesar who checks off all of my lists so therefore i don't support him it's like dude if there was an actual caesar you're still thinking like in terms right. of democracy like i he needs to represent me and what i want <laughs> right like, no, he doesn't. If he's here to rule, fuck you. If there was an actual Caesar and you were like, you don't check all my boxes so you don't represent me, he would go, okay. <laughs> Just squish you. 
He's not going to represent your interests. He's going to represent his interests, and you're going to align with him by making your interests his interests. We need to rediscover patronage. This is like part of rebuilding a civilization is recognizing the uh, the the necessary presence of patronage in healthy human societies. Kate said, Jesus Christ himself can return tomorrow, and they'll say, Fed PSYOP! Yeah, Buck really got James Lindsay. Yes, I mean, James Lindsay. I don't know who's had a worse last year, James Lindsay or Ron DeSantis, but <laughs> James Lindsay Pedro. decided. Yeah, Pedro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, James Lindsay decided yesterday that uh, he, he was going to go, uh, he was going to plant his flag on Texas nationalism as a Russian psyop, <laughs> which, I mean, that's yeah. that's a bold one, man. Yeah, like, why don't you go tell some Texans that? Go tell some Texans that their nationalism, their Texas nationalism is just a Russian. It's just a Russian. I have plot. a theory. I have a theory that Hillary Clinton is like this succubus that goes and like possesses people and then speaks out their mouth. And James Lindsay is the most recent victim. Uh, our friend Krupto said, this is wild. It may in the end be a big non-event, but a map like this says that these governors are sensing a change in the wind and are allowing themselves to be swept along. Events are happening and new possibilities seem to be opening. This is the right frame of mind on this. You don't, like, you don't need to, uh, <clears throat> there doesn't need to be the immediate solution that magically fixes everything. What we're dealing with is a, um, an evolving situation and in the presence of an evolving situation, especially as chaos begins to bubble up, that's when you can get really hard turns one direction or the other. This hey, is Tommy's what provides here. the opportunity. What's up, Tommy? The gang's all James, here. James Lindsay is a tool, but for who? Your mom. <laughs> well played, well played. <clears throat> so what this, what this whole situation is providing is the opportunity for significant change to happen. But in order for that significant change to happen, it's going to require a sufficient number of people pulling their heads out of their asses and recognizing that a win is a win. Things are as bad as they are right now because right-wingers, Republicans, conservatives, however, however these different people decide to identify – they have like absolutely zero ability to plan or coordinate or uh, engage in any sort of real politique. And anybody who does come out and actually engage in and recognize real politique and begin engaging with the system as it exists rather than as it ideally would exist, immediately gets ostracized as an outsider and a plant and a fed and whatever else. So conservatives are continually just 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 shooting their own dicks off. They're they're they are the reason they like they are the thing holding them down. The Biden administration is a profoundly incompetent, buffoonish group of double-digit IQs. And yet they're able to wield immense power because whatever you want to say, conservative, right-wing, Republican, however you want to identify. Because this group of people has not been capable of actually reading the room and understanding how to take power. But Matt, but Matt, 
but Cooper. But Matt, uh, Devin Stack pointed out that Greg Abbott isn't taking this opportunity to talk about white in-group preference, so it's over, man. Oh, man. I can't believe that he wouldn't do that. I can't believe that Tucker Carlson wouldn't like wouldn't publicly go out on his show and proclaim himself a, a white nationalist. You know, like he wouldn't go out there wearing a a, a, a Ku Klux Klan hood. <laughs> yeah, just, he's got his wig net tattoo. Yeah, clearly, clearly he's just he's just compromised in all his and you know, there's there's no reason for hope. I thought you actually flung your can. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> no, that would have been that'd have been really bad. I've got like <laughs> cables and cords and shit everywhere here. I don't yeah, I do, I don't I don't have time for these guys who just their only function is anytime something is happening demoralize. to go come up with a reason why it's not happening and demoralize people. They see it as them like being the purest of them all. They're the one who has all the best ideas. And everyone else is a bunch of retards because they don't have all the bright ideas like they do. But in reality, their only function is just to demoralize people. Like Devin Stack is, I, I, so here's the thing is I don't disagree with his worldview per se. I don't disagree with his premises. I think he has entertaining shows. I think he does a really good job of like film analysis. I think he's a really bright guy. But this insistence, and it's not just him. There's, there's, there's so many guys like him. Our inaugural who, Kunick. Yes. These guys who they're deep down, the, like the, the fundamental heart of their message is, um, we're isolated and alone and surrounded by enemies, and there's nothing that we can do, and there's nobody who will ever represent us, and anyone who claims to represent us is, um, is a snake, and you can't trust anyone. And the only way that there's ever going to be any sort of hope is if we get like a, a president who openly proclaims uh, the, the uh, I don't know, his, his avowed white nationalism. <laughs> it's like, do you really, you, you genuinely can't conceive of any sort of win condition sh sort of that, short of that? I mean, how about we go for a little bit better than it is right now? Let's start with that. So if, if something happens, instead of figuring out why this is actually bad news, we could figure out why it's good news. How can we benefit from this? How can we use this to our advantage? When some great political personality shows up on the scene, instead of going and finding the, the one or two things where we disagree and then digging in and figuring out why he's a plant and why he's just here to subvert us all, Use him instead. This whole like, like we have to go find the one thing we disagree on and then just black pill everybody because, you know, here's yet another guy who's just going to let us down. It's impotent signaling. You don't need him to let you down or not let you down. You need to use him. And to whatever yeah. extent they represent your interests, let them represent your interests. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I may not like I may not like the idea of 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 importing a bunch of Indian immigrants, quote unquote, legally to take away jobs from Americans. I may not like aspects of that. But I'm not going to say 
say, oh, fuck Greg Abbott. You know, he's just a, he's just doing this for show uh, because he's doing this other thing. Like, I don't care what other thing he's doing. He is giving the finger to the feds in a way that like that hasn't happened in forever. Or here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. They'll say, oh, well, this is just going to be a pretext for Democrat states to use their states' rights arguments to just open their borders up and let people flood in. Okay, great. Let them. That would be yeah. perfect. Can you think of a quicker way to completely dissolve the union? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It just... Ugh. We need to make an edit of the... Um, what's his name from the the the... The, the dude from the TV show. <laughs> the dude from... Oh, okay. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peaky Blinders. Uh, when he says... Oh, he's uh, like, Tommy... Thomas Shelby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. S stop fucking blackpilling. No blackpilling. Mm -hmm. No blackpilling. If you're blackpilling, you're out. Oh, just as this... an aside, speaking of uh, Thomas Shelby... I was uh, I was watching all these shorts, like all these edits of uh, like the Sigma male grind set stuff. Uh huh. And they're always like, I, like, I don't know. They're really dumb, but they're always like edits and clips, and like, I don't know uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for. Like compilations of clips from Peaky Blinders, uh -huh. with you know, like Thomas Shelby walking around being all like mysterious looking. Or it's Patrick Bateman. <laughs> and I'm like, your guy's avatar? These are your avatars? <laughs> Is this what it means to be a Sigma male? <laughs> you tell me, Cooper. <laughs> yeah, you guys should just start make, putting together like edits of me. That's what you should be yeah, doing. Yeah. Because I'm a right. Sigma male. You should see Cooper dance. Yeah. I've seen it and it's glorious. TK says, we're politically disenfranchised. Let's get depressed about every event. Is drinking to cure a hangover Sal logic? There, there we go. That it's does classic. work, though. At least but temporarily. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's not in the long run. <laughs> uh, so, then, more recently, our, uh, our favorite boomer himself has spoken out. All right. Donald J. Trump has posted on the irrelevant social media platform that nobody cares about. The only Dude, if he, that... if he gets himself like the presidency while posting on this stupid platform, that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only reason that Truth Social exists is so people can screenshot Trump's posts and post them on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, kind of like what that's what people have to do with James retreats. Lindsay because he blocks everyone. Uh-huh, right. You can't quote tweet him. Like, he posted this, and at whatever point it took someone to take this screenshot, he had 1,700 likes. I remember when he used to post stuff on Twitter, and he would have, like, like 500,000 likes in, like, five minutes. <laughs> he says, when I was president, we had the most secure border in history. Joe Biden has surrendered our border and is aiding and abetting a massive invasion of millions of illegal migrants into the United States. I love the like random capitalization of uh, nouns. We had the most secure border in history. He just like randomly capitalizes stuff all throughout him. So 
Instead of fighting to protect our country from this onslaught, Biden is, unbelievably, fighting to tie the hands of Governor Abbott in the state of Texas so that the invasion continues unchecked. In the face of this national security, public safety, and public health catastrophe, Texas has rightly invoked the invasion clause of the Constitution and must be given full support to repel the invasion. Page two. (laughs) We encourage all willing states to deploy their guards to Texas to prevent the entry of illegals and to remove them back across the border. All Americans should support the common sense measures by Texas authorities to protect the safety, security, and sovereignty of Texas and of the American people. When I am president on day one, instead of fighting Texas, I will work hand in hand with Governor Abbott and other border states to stop the invasion, seal the border, and rapidly begin the largest domestic deportation operation in history. Those Biden has let in should not get comfortable because they will be going home. Wow. All right. I will not tolerate hearing anybody say that we don't live in the best timeline. This is just it, it, like reality is better than a movie. Um, for, I, I got to just one more time. Page two. So like apparently on Truth Social, there's like a there, there must be like a, a limit on the number of characters. So he like makes one post and then he makes a second post and starts it off with page two. Because <laughs> he knows someone's going to screenshot it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's he is just the best boomer. Uh, so of course, so he, so all the all the doomers, of course, they see this and they're they're um not their gonna happen. Is, yeah, he's not gonna do it. He's making promise. Remember last time he made promises and then he didn't keep them. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. He's just saying that. Oh my god. Do you know how you make sure? that he actually does what you want him to do. When he says he's going to do something, you give him lots of plaudits. You encourage him. You you uh, stoke his ego. Like if you want him to do these things, the last thing you should do is do the, oh, he's not gonna do it. No, no he's, 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 he's a Zionist. It's not going to happen. He's not going to do it. So, okay. So, so what is your counter proposal? What's your counter proposal for how we solve the problem? Or are you like, do you not have anything to bring to the conversation apart from just, he's not going to do it. (laughs) He's not going to do it because he's a Zionist. (laughs) (laughs) It just, that basically is the logic. That's the argument. Uh Uh-huh. And but and it's but it, it that okay so like that's the end of the conversation, all right? Yeah. Oh, do you or do you it. not want the illegals here? Like, right. What if what if he only deports half of them? What if he only deports a tenth, like a tenth of them? I I, I mean, would you take that versus whatever alternatives might be? I mean, even so if he your, deported, even if he deported none of them, but he just locked down the border, no one else came through, right? And he just made them all citizens or whatever, right? Would you take that, right? It's like okay, problem solved going forward. It just, I, but these aren't people who are actually interested in they. They like to they like to stroke their own egos. They like to to pretend that they're the very the 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 intellectuals. 
but in reality, they're just they're just impotent, sad little men. And 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 like really deep down, what they're expressing is like this entitlement of like I'm owed this. You destroyed my country. You owed it. You owe it to me. Give it back to me. Why don't you go contribute to getting it back? I don't see a lot of people. I don't think I've seen a single guy who is a, a doomer who's also like engaged in politics or actually has an audience that he's cultivating and pointing in a positive direction. We have right now the tools at our disposal to actually work together and influence events like this. I guarantee you that yesterday, the main reason why all of these governors began tweeting out support was because they were being inundated with tweets from people with big accounts. Oren McIntyre was doing the Lord's work yesterday, putting the pressure on and trying to get these governors to attach their name to this. It doesn't matter if they believe it. We don't need them to believe it. We just need them to go through the motions. If they go through the motions, it begins creating the momentum. If your whole complaint about these guys is that they're just squishes who just kind of are just easily like coerced into doing things, then become the most powerful coercive force that they've ever encountered. We have the capacity to do that now. Mm -hmm. We did a test run of that just a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Successfully. If we want to get a message on the radar of powerful people, we can do that. But you have to have a message, not just doom, not just demoralization. You have to actually be dedicated to trying to create a, some type of a productive solution. And right now, if we can maintain the political energy to drive this forward, the thing that characterizes all of these Republican leaders, the fact that they're spineless squishes, actually becomes a, a perk to us. Because we can make them terrified of their constituents. Once we get into this type of territory, just about anything can happen, positive or negative. And the least productive position you could possibly be in is the nothing's going to happen, bro. That's like the, that, that you are, we might as well just turn you into soap. Like there's no, there's nothing useful to you. If you're just a nothing's going to happen, bro, just keep it to yourself. Um, one other interesting thing. So yesterday, Mike Johnson, the speaker of the house came out and threw his support behind Abbott, which I definitely didn't expect because he is definitely a creature of the regime. And then the FBI's staff put out a letter, uh, a week ago. So as this whole thing was starting to, to build, <clears throat> They put out this letter here. You can't really see it. 
I'll just read it. Um, Dear Mr. Speaker, Senate Majority Leader and Chairman, uh, the subject is the United States is facing a new and imminent danger. Uh, as former senior executives of the Federal Bureau of Investigation with deep experience combating dangers to the nation, we write to express our concern about a current specific threat that may be one of the most pernicious ever to menace the United States. The danger arises from the nature of the threat itself. Wars and espionage and bombings and riots are sadly familiar delivery systems of instability, intimidation, and insecurity. The country has faced these and more throughout its history and is held together, though not without struggle. The threat we call it today is new and unfamiliar. In its modern history, the U.S. has never suffered an invasion of the homeland, and yet one is unfolding now. Military-aged men from across the globe, many from countries or regions not friendly to the United States, are landing in waves on our soil by the thousands. Not by splashing ashore from a ship or parachuting from a plane, but rather by foot across a border that has been accurately advertised around the world as largely unprotected with ready access granted. It would be difficult to overstate the danger represented by the presence in our border, inside our borders of what is comparatively a multi-division army of young single adult males from hostile nations and regions whose background, intent, or allegiance is completely unknown. They include individuals encountered by border officials and then possibly released into the country, along with a shockingly high estimate of gotaways, meaning those who have entered and evaded apprehension. In light of such a daunting, unprecedented penetration by uninvited foreign actors, it is reasonable to assert that the country possesses dramatically diminished national security at this time. The nation's military and laws and other natural protective barriers that have provided traditional security in the past have been thoroughly circumvented over the past three years. In 2021, the demographics of those crossing the poorest southern border started, poorest southern boundary started to shift. Young men from around the world traveling alone and holding questionable motivations dramatically increased in number to become the most common profile of those breaching the nation's borders. A startling number have been found on the terrorist watch list or from countries designated as state sponsors of terror distinctly unfriendly to the United States. This is particularly alarming in light of the Hamas terror attack on Israel last October 7th. Those of us who have fought terrorism know that historically successful terror attacks invite mimicry. We know as well that terror leaders intentionally cultivate throngs of young men possessing a certain easily manipulated personality type to carry out atrocities. It is stark to say so, but having a large number of young males now within our borders who could begin attacking gatherings of unarmed citizens in imitation of 10-7 at the behest of a foreign terror group must be considered a distinct possibility. We would be remiss not to call out this potentially grave threat in the most direct terms. The warning lights are blinking. And yet this very real concern does not seem to be getting the focus it logically deserves. The director of the FBI has correctly assessed an elevated threat level since 10-7, but relatively little discussion has followed highlighting unsecured borders as a significant cause of this increasingly dangerous environment. It is a troubling concern that needs illumination, not avoidance. Any violation of the nation's immigration laws increases risks, but the surge in numbers of single military-aged males descending upon American cities and towns is alarming and perilous. Additionally, they are not just from the terror-linked nations, but from China and Russia as well, hostile adversaries of the U.S. with aspirations to devastate national infrastructure. For these reasons, elements of this recent surge are likely no accident or coincidence. These men are potential operators in what appears to be an accelerated and strategic penetration, a soft invasion designed to gain internal access to a country that cannot be invaded militarily in order to inflict catastrophic damage if and when enemies deem it necessary. This new reality, this never-seen-before threat, deserves greater attention. The borders need to be secured against these young men, and those already here illegally must be identified and removed without delay. This will take the coordinated cooperative efforts of the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and the rest of the intelligence community to achieve. We encourage these, a these actions and much greater congressional attention to this threat. The country has been invaded, an invasion that will continue as long as the nation's enemies perceive it will be tolerated. Until it is stopped, the United States is extraordinarily less safe and secure. 
Knowing all this, it would be a shameful travesty if some terrible attack, a preventable attack, were to occur against innocent Americans or the infrastructure that keeps the nation safe and functioning. The government will have failed grievously in its duty to protect. Sincerely, so this is Mr. Kevin R. Brock, Assistant Director, Directorate of Intelligence, FBI, retired, and Principal Deputy Director of National Counterterrorism Center, former, uh, retired Assistant Director, Criminal, Investiga Criminal Investigative Division of the FBI, um, retired Director of the Terrorist Screening Center for the FBI, uh, and a bunch of other people. Um, the reason why I am <clears throat> highlighting this is, number one, because of the uh, the actual substance of what they're saying, that there's the the increased risk of some type of a, of an actual, um, I don't know, a terrorist event, attack, something along those lines. And this is the sort of thing that gets the actual serious people, the actual adults in the room, this is the sort of thing that gets them, as you can see in this letter, that it gets them very concerned. This is a week before the whole thing started going down with with Governor Abbott. This is right around the time that I think that the uh, the, the the court the the case went to the Supreme Court, and these people are they're accurately calling it out as an invasion. This sort of conversation beginning to happen within the the extended network of DC professionals, and then as you start getting into military people. I've listened to some really interesting conversations with Eric Prince recently, which just the the man is the definition of a statesman. He is he is a legend. But like those are the guys who are really starting to pick up on what's going on and they're very very concerned about our posture with respect to China and Russia in particular. China mostly. And then this sort of thing this invasion happening. These are these are becoming legitimate like civilizational crisis level issues where these are the sorts of things that cause regime changes in countries so if you're like at the like nothing's gonna happen bro stage i'm not saying something's gonna happen now i'm not saying it's gonna happen in a week i'm not saying it's gonna happen this year but i'm saying that the nothing's going to happen, bro, thing has an, a, a distinct ex expiration date. It's going to have to be retired here very soon because politics now is not remotely like what politics was even four years ago. Having all of these governors all sign on to something like this that's explicitly hostile, that, that's, that's coming out is like explicitly... Um, uh, opposed to the federal government and calling the federal government out as lawless and facilitating an invasion. Having retired FBI, counterterrorism, Department of Homeland Security guys saying, hey, you guys are facilitating an invasion into the country of military-aged men. These are the sorts of things that get serious people very, very worked up. And this is why you can see the institutional money beginning to pull out. Like we talked about before, Jamie Dimon, and Stephen Schwartzman, Boris Johnson. A lot of these people who a couple months ago wouldn't have been associated, wouldn't have remotely associated themselves with Trump. You can now see that everything is starting to angle toward him because 
the incompetence, the sheer incompetence of the Biden administration is actually starting to cause major issues. So the one other thing that this starts to tie into is Trump's uh, the, what everyone wants to know at this point is uh, is what is what is was Trump's VP going to be? Who who is Trump's VP going to be? And uh, let me uh, share the screen here because this was these were some very interesting comments that I I, I saw from Trump uh, the other day. Uh, I'll play it and then we'll talk about it. <clears throat> said in our town hall that you had an idea or you might have already decided about your VP pick. When do you think you're going to make that? Well, it's never really had that much of an effect on. Oh, come on. <laughs> I've literally never had a video have a hard time playing. An election, which is an amazing thing, both election and primary. It's never really had much of an effect. I may or may not release something uh, over the next couple of months. There's no rush to that. It won't have any impact at all. The person that I think I like is a very good person, a pretty standard. I think people won't be that surprised. But I would say there's probably a 25% chance it would be that person. Is Senator Tim Scott on the list now? No, he's a great guy. You know, he, he endorsed me. There's an example. Nikki comes from South Carolina. Tim Scott is from South Carolina. But if you look, the governor, great governor, Another senator, Lindsay, we happen to like Lindsay, but uh, Henry McMaster knows her very well. He endorsed me. It's very hard for a governor to endorse somebody when you have, you know, I mean, Henry McMaster was the lieutenant governor under her, and he endorsed me, and he's going to be here tonight. In 15 minutes, you're going to be watching him speak. I'm going to introduce him. He's a great guy. He's done a great job. So everybody, almost everybody in South Carolina has endorsed me. What does that tell you? <laughs> said in our <laughs> I, I just that had guy. To, I just had to let the whole thing play out because <laughs> he asks him that whole last like minute was all him responding to the question is is Tim Scott on your VP list <laughs> I mean I got to admit like the, the dude can filibuster like an MFer he's <laughs> he's got a sort of uh his voice it sounds a little more I mean, I know it's many years later, but it sounds kind of frail compared to, you know, mm -hmm. just a few years ago. He's, I mean, he genuinely looks like, not like most people who go through the presidency. Like you've seen the pictures of like George Bush before and after Barack Obama before and after, and they looked like they'd been aged by like 20 years. He, he, he doesn't look that dramatically affected, but he definitely does look older, slower, more low energy. He's not quite as bombastic as he was before, which I, I mean, it's been eight years since 2016. He's almost how 80. old is he? I think he's 78. Let's see. <clears throat> he's uh, we gotta get him back on the get him back on the stimulants. <laughs> yeah. So some of his comments here were very interesting to me. So, um. Number one, he says he doesn't think it'll matter electorally who his VP is, or he's been told that it won't. He's repeating it, which that's kind of, hmm. 
I, I, I want to know where that's not the sort of thing that Trump would just know. This is one of those things where like Trump had a conversation with someone and they said, ah, that actually doesn't matter. And he's like repeating it. I don't, it's, it's very interesting. He says his time frame for announcing it is some point in the next few months, which is also kind of interesting. Like he, he's making it sound like, you know, we got like basically, you know, we got till the summer or whatever, you know, like there's no, no big rush on it. And it's kind of like, Hmm. I, I think people are very curious to know who your, who your VP is. I think there's, there's the idea that there's no rush. I mean, yeah, maybe there's not a rush, but I think there's probably a lot of people on like uh, across a spectrum who are very curious to know who his VP is because who his VP is will signal some things. And the other thing he said is that the person he wants would be someone that he perceives as normal or unsurprising. Now, the most surprising things to me that he admitted was, number one, he doesn't know who it'll be. Now, it could be, as Cooper mentioned to me this morning, it could be that, that the reason he doesn't know is because he doesn't know if the person's going to accept. Someone could reject him. But that would be an odd thing to acknowledge because that doesn't exactly make him look powerful. It doesn't make him look like the magnetic superstar. So it's just kind of from like a branding perspective, that would be sort of a weird thing to admit. But the thing that stood out to me the most is he thinks there's a 25% chance he actually gets the person that he wants. That is a very odd thing to say. Dude. The only thing that the only way I can make sense of it is that there's like four candidates on the list. And so he wants the one person, but then there's the other three. But like the fact that number one, Trump wouldn't know who his VP is going to be. And that he only thinks there's a 25% chance he's going to get the person he wants. The, the fact that those would be the case is surprising to me. It's even more surprising to me that he would publicly admit it. That seems, that just seems odd. I don't know why he would talk about it that way. <clears throat> now, uh, Sebastian Gorka, who is a guy who is, is close to the, the Trump campaign, he has been saying for a while that he knows who it is. And he let it slip that it's a that it's a he, and uh, and then I believe the other thing I heard is that he said that it's someone who's it's a it's a guy who is in politics in New York. So from there, the basically the only two people who would be possibilities would be Lee Zeldin and uh, Rudy Giuliani. I would be really shocked if it's Rudy Giuliani. I don't think. Well, okay, dude. Before we, what? Isn't it crazy to think that 2016 was almost 10 years ago? It was like almost a decade ago. What are we going on? Eight years? Eight years? Yeah, eight years. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Think about that. What were you doing eight years ago? I was, uh, well, I had just graduated high school. <clears throat> um, just turned 18. Um, getting into all sorts of trouble, just being a degenerate. <laughs> Eight years ago, I had just met the woman who would become my wife. I was me too. Working at a um, Volvo heavy machinery dealership. And yeah, 
I also met my wife eight years ago. That's such a crazy how much time has passed. Like, not just how much time has passed, but how much has changed since then. Like, how drastically different the world is. Like, eight years ago, 2016 feels like it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. It also feels like it was just kind of yesterday at the same uh-huh. time. Like, I feel, I feel like I just graduated high school. <laughs> you look like it, too. <laughs> I know, especially since I shaved. Uh-huh. It's funny, the way that the shadows are on your head, it kind of looks like you have a yarmulke on right now. Does it? <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> I look like a, le- a lesbian. Mm-hmm. With this haircut. So right now, the betting markets... Um, let me see what they are, if they've updated. Trump VP betting markets... Uh, odds checker, Republican VP nominee. Uh, okay, here's your list. So I've got a theory about his about what's happening with the VP thing right now. But um, so uh, the top candidate right now is Elise Stefanik, who is a I think Congresswoman from New York. She's what's young. She She's like? been a big MAGA one. Um, here. need a physiognomy check. Yeah. The only, uh, along with phrenology, the only two hard sciences, true hard science, <laughs> sciences. There's her with her face kind of squished. There. Hey, she's just like me. She's got crooked eyes. <laughs> eh. Mid. <laughs> then... Uh, number two is, is, uh, Christy Nome, <clears throat> who is the, uh, governor of South Dakota. What's she look like? <laughs> You're going to like this one better. Okay. <sighs> too much makeup. Better. Too much makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Who were, who were we talking about earlier? When? On the phone. You were, who were we talking about? And I was like, that is my type in a nutshell. Oh, um, uh, uh, Taylor Lorenz. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep taking us on detours today. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> eh, not, so, not so much in these pictures. Must yeah. have been the lighting. I don't know. Here's the video, I think. Um, okay. So, uh, so yeah, at least Stephanie Christie. How do you how do you pro- how do you pronounce physiognomy? How do you pronounce it? Physiognomy. Yeah, you pronounce it that way. Yeah. Okay, Josiah Spurgeon out because the G is apparently silent. I don't care. I've, n- I've never heard somebody pronounce it without the G. Physiognomy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it would make sense to me that the G would be silent, but I've never heard anybody, anybody pronounce that. And pronunciations are just conventions anyway, so. <clears throat> uh, number three is your boy Vivek Ramaswamy. Number four is Ben Carson. Number five is Tim Scott. Number six is Nikki Haley. Number seven is is Carrie Lake. Number eight is Tudor Dixon. I have no idea who Tudor Dixon is. First of all, I would really not want to be the person named Tudor. What's Viv- what's what's Vivek look like? What? 
here's Tudor Dixon. Yeah. Can we get a ruling? Uh, yeah, like a five. Cooper has high standards. <clears throat> no, I just, just not my type. <laughs> Kate J says Christie is an adulterous and corporatist whore. <laughs> so what are your real feelings on the matter, Kate? <laughs> yeah. Are you mad? So I don't think number one, okay, well, so let, let me let me share my uh my my theory about what's happening with the the vice president right now. So my my theory is that there is a war over who is going to be uh, Trump's vice president. And what this is going to determine basically is which cabal of people are going to be pulling his strings while he's in office. On one hand, you have the, I don't know, wh whatever you want to call it, Republican establishment, Zionist, neocons, uh, old money, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the Black Rock, State Streets. The, the, you have this, these people on one side. Mitch, the Mitch McConnell wing. And then on the other side, you have the, for ease of reference, PayPal Mafia slash Project 2025 people. And if you look at the, we are going to do an episode on, on uh, Project 2025 and go into more detail on it. But uh, if you look at the, 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 the plan that they've laid out, it actually is almost one-to-one -one with what Vivek has described. Essentially doing a, an immediate blitzkrieg at, right after inauguration, like blitzkrieging through and cleaning out the administrative state, shutting down FBI, DHS, CDC, Department of Education, um, uh, the FDA, just just like just going through and just mowing it through, like firing like 75 or 80% of federal employees. They've laid out a specific game plan for how they would go about it. And um and then there's 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 other stuff associated with it as well, but they're they're basically marching in lockstep. I've never heard Vivek mention Project 2025, and I've never seen or heard any of the Project 2025 significant people really um, pumping Vivek, except for Charlie Kirk. That would be one potential connection there. But otherwise, this is what they're describing. And Vivek, in one of the interviews, mentioned how important the um, position of <clears throat> the. Uh, um, officer or the, the office of management and budget and the office of personnel management, which is basically the CFO of the executive branch and the HR head of the executive branch. And that these would be the most important positions to fill to accomplish a lot of this. My read of the situation is as we've outlined on here before, you've got this, this kind of, uh, a mounting, uh, movement sort of organized, uh, organic, inorganic, I'm not sure exactly, but between the tech bros, broadly speaking, and overlapping with the more Heritage Foundation wing of the Republican Party. And their goal is to not have, they want Trump reelected, but they don't want to have the same thing happen that happened last time, which is he got surrounded by a bunch of Zionist snakes, and they just kneecapped him every time he tried to do anything. They've learned from that, they're specifically calling it out. And they're saying, we need to have a, uh, um, the the people in place and the plan ready to go so that we can blitzkrieg through immediately upon inauguration in order to do something like that this is my guess as to what they're they're presenting to trump they're telling him 
you're going to accept our VP. If you take, if you accept our VP, this is the way your administration is going to work. You're going to be the figurehead. You get to take all the glory. You get to do your speeches. You get to basically continue campaigning, receive reports. And our responsibility is going to be to execute your vision. Your vision being the vision that we're providing you as your advisors, which is exactly how his, his, his administration functioned before. He had his stuff he wanted to do, then he got some of that, and then his advisors fought against him and pushed back and whatever else. These guys are like, we want to execute your vision. We believe in America first, and these are the America first policies. You, all agree, you agreed to all these policies, right? Yeah. Okay, great. We're going to get you rubber stamping stuff for us. We're going to run your administration for you, and you get all the credit. Which means his VP in that case is going to be someone who has to be a... Uh, a, a, like a true believer in the cause has to have um, high energy, command significant respect, be very fluent in the operations of the bureaucracies, the DC, being able to, to speak DC and operate and function within there to be effective. They need to <clears throat> um, be very good at administration and they're essentially going to function as kind of like a shadow president. I could do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would be my pick, Cooper. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um. I th so I think this is this is the the you know the the, the PayPal Mafia slash Project Twenty Twenty Five guys. This is the read that I'm getting that he's being given a choice between that and whatever, like you know, like Ben Carson or uh, or Christy Nome or. Uh, you, you know, like some woman, like so <laughs> if, if Trump selects a woman VP, like it's all over. <laughs> if Trump selects a woman VP, then I'm going to be blackpilling here because do you think if is... he picks Ben Carson, he'll teach me how to grip walk. <laughs> uh oh, I broke him. I'm imagining Ben Carson crip walking across the stage at the RNC. <laughs> and then coming up with like, with, coming up with like his sleepy eyes, he like crip walks across the stage and then he's like, hey, everybody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so i think someone like tim scott or ben carson or lee zeldin like these are all like squishes they're I, and i think that that's probably the type of person that trump wants he probably wants someone who's not going to outshine him someone who doesn't have more personality and look what he like pence he he agreed to have Pence because Pence has like the personality of a dried out loaf of bread. And what's also significant then is the role that Pence wound up playing in 2020. And I think that's one thing that these, the, the actual like conservative America first MAGA Republicans don't want to find themselves in that situation again, where the VP is going to turn on Trump and stab him in the back. Trump wants someone who's basically a pushover, 
This is the read that I'm getting on it. Trump wants, he wants a woman so he can appeal to the woman vote, or he wants a black guy so he can appeal to the black vote. Like he's thinking in these terms. <laughs> so we can all crip walk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I mean, you see Tim Scott is just like, is just following him Who around. Who is Tim just, Scott? He's what the, does this uh, guy look like? Senator, I think, from, uh, from, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, South Carolina. He's oh, okay. the guy with the teeth. Some shithole state. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was. I didn't know he knew how to crip walk, too. <laughs> Thought it was a white guy. Yeah. And, and apparently, so there's been rumors for a long time, like Tim Scott is 58 and apparently is just engaged for the first time, if I understand correctly there's been rumors for a long time that he was gay and kind of like lindsey graham and then suddenly like a week ago it posted a video or a picture of him on the beach with his with his wife oh they're married now and and then trump they got some line uh what did trump trump say he goes uh he goes oh and tim he's married we never thought it would happen <laughs> one of those things where trump is just Trump says the stuff that nobody around Trump wants him to say. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> but uh, the, I think if we see it wind up being someone like Tim Scott or Ben Carson or Christy Nome or uh, the only woman who wouldn't have me like completely blackpilled would be Carrie Lake. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, she, she's an ass kicker. And uh, she she seems like someone who would legitimately um, be ideologically um, aligned with the the whole America first thing enough that I think I would probably I, I wouldn't be completely without hope. But if it's like Christy Noem or Elise Stefanik or something like this, this is not a woman's job. This this cannot be a woman's job in this particular like if if the whole point is like we're taking over the executive branch and reestablishing executive authority in Washington, yeah, manly. you're not going to do that through women. Sorry, it just isn't going to happen. So I think that the the powers that be who have talked themselves into, okay, we're probably going to have to deal with Trump. Well, we want to make sure that he has a VP that we're not like, that's not going to have us over a barrel at some point. We want someone easily manipulated, easily to control, someone who's just a figurehead, basically a Republican version of Kamala or, or, or um, like Mike Pence. <clears throat> And I think that there's a legitimate effort being made to put someone else in there. I don't know who that someone else is. I don't even know where to begin thinking about who that someone else would be. But I keep coming back to Vivek just makes too much sense. He fits the profile perfectly. Age-wise, uh, experience, his experience in dealing with these bureaucracies, he's very clearly like intimately familiar with the plan and can speak to on it at like off the cuff at length in great detail. And I, I mean, I don't, it just, I don't think that Vivek is the person that Trump has been planning on. I don't think that Vivek is the person that Trump wants because Vivek would be the star of that administration. But what, what it also Lana sets you up for is Vivek as running for president in 2028 and then again in 2032. Those 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 puzzle pieces just fit 
together too well. They just, I, I can't, I can't help but think that they fit together too well. I don't know that Vivek would necessarily want to do that, but in a recent interview, I didn't get the clip. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll have it for the next show. He said something about how, um, uh, someone asked him if he was, if he wanted to be VP or if, whoops, if he would be VP and he said, what, what was the answer he gave? I wish I would have saved it. He said, basically, if Trump came into him and asked him to VP, be VP, he was like, you know, I'd be, I'd be honored. But, but basically my answer would be, are you planning on really doing this? Like, are we going for like balls deep or are we just going to try to reform? Because if we're just going to try to reform and just sort of like slap some paint on it, then I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor, but I can affect more change elsewhere. So he basically said, this, this just kind of is re reinforcing to me what I think I'm seeing, which is that Vivek is the tip of the spear of an organized counter elite who are have inserted themselves into Trump's campaign and they're running him now. They're handling him. They're leveraging him into getting Vivek into the into position as VP. And then Vivek's job is going to be to run the executive branch on behalf of Trump. This would be, if I was to predict something right now that seems most plausible, this would be the thing that seems most plausible to me. I'm not confident that that's what's going to happen, but of all things that I've heard, that's what seems most plausible to me. The flip side of it would be, as Tatiana says, Trump is going to be stupid and pick someone who backstabs. Like Ultimately, what Trump is going to have to decide is, do I want to bite the bullet and bring along the superstar and basically let him like let him uh, uh, pump up my tires for four years and run the show behind the scenes and let me take all the glory for it? Or do I want to get some sort of a squish and think that I'm going to go in and take everything on and I'm going to do it and I'm actually going to be successful this time? The one candidate that I've heard that I genuinely would not know how to feel about it would be Donald Trump Jr. <clears throat> on one hand, Trump Jr. seems like kind of a boob to me. Yeah. On the other hand, like father with his son is the VP. That's, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to get into, into like Royal, uh, uh, kind of like the idea of royalty and like Royal families and stuff. And that's, I, that's the, the optics of that would be, would be interesting. And I don't know if but maybe Matt, if maybe Junior is is actually cutthroat behind the scenes, but he just kind of plays a boob on television. I don't know. It Trey Daniels is vengeful son. Yeah, there you go. There's your vengeful son. So now, if you do something to Trump, you have to deal with his kid. I don't know. But Matt, what? Isn't he married to a Jew? I don't think he is. I don't actually remember if he's married. Uh, one of them is. I want to be press secretary. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I really want to see Cooper as press secretary. <laughs> uh, looks like, okay, yeah, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle is, he's engaged to her, supposedly. Oh, okay. She's the one, do you remember the during uh, uh, COVID when they had, they had like her giving a speech, but it was like, I was just joking. I don't, I don't care who they're married to. <laughs> no, no. There, there was this great clip where he's, um, she was giving this, this speech. It was be like a, like a Republican national convention speech 
but it was during COVID. So there was nobody and she was just being streamed in this empty room. And she like was trying to like rise to a crescendo and she's like, the best is yet to come. And it just like fell completely flat. It was one of the cringiest <laughs> things that I've ever seen. <laughs> can we watch it? Let me see if I can find it. <clears throat> Kim Gilfoyle. She's interesting um, because she was once the significant other of uh, Gavin Newsom. Hmm. Okay, here we go. Ick. Oh my God. This is this is gonna hurt you, Cooper, I promise. Like, oh man, here we go. The cringe factor is significant here. America, it's all on the line. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. You are capable. You are qualified, you are powerful, and you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. Don't let the Democrats take you for granted. Don't let them step on you. Don't let them destroy your families, your lives, and your future. Don't let them kill future generations because they told you and brainwashed you and fed you lies that you weren't good enough. Like my parents, you can achieve your American dream. You can be that shining example to the world. Manifest and be the change in this country that you dream, that you hope, that you believe in. Stand for an American president who is fearless, who believes in you, and who loves this country and will fight for her. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Uh, I hate that it cut off the end of that there like it with their little like banner or whatever because in the moment like she does that the best is yet to come and then it just hangs there and it's like oh my god this is the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> that was literally painful for me and who is she kimberly Gilfoyle. She... she's the she's the fiance of trump jr <clears throat> why dude <laughs> Two bit podcast says that wow, right now there I hate would everything. be everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be like <laughs> if I were dating her and she did that. Like I'd be like, like I know we put you up to this, but <laughs> the delivery was pretty. I'm sorry, but I got I've got a side chick. I'll see you later. pretty mid too like i don't know if that would have been like dude you're a billionaire why are you dating her Ick. like i don't know if that would have been better if there was like like a crowd of people who were like cheering and everything if it would have like if it would have tamped down the cringe a little bit like part of it is just like by herself shouting in a room with it <laughs> echoing like it, it to me it reminds me of like when people were when i was in like speech stuff and yeah like, at least go, if like, there was like to an empty room 
At least if there was a crowd, she'd have an excuse for yelling. Right. But it's just, the, oh, yeah. The the glorious things that COVID gave us. We need a palate cleanser. We need to watch um, that chick on Bill Nye. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can't do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually want to do it, but it's gonna get. It would definitely get our uh, get the the video demonetized. <laughs> uh, let's see, what could we get as a palate cleanser? Uh, let's try this. Oh, Brody Alexander, member for two months. Thank you, Brody. He says Vice President Tucker Carlson. I wouldn't hate it. We're coming up on two hours and I've got to do a, I'm going to do a conversation, do a, another conversation tonight with uh two bit podcast. We're going to be oh, talking, uh, doing another live reading or continuing our live reading series with Curtis Yarvin's patchwork. We're not going to be doing it live, <clears throat> but it will be uh, posted on his Substack. So uh, I believe it's called notes from down under something like that. I'll kind of vamp here long enough to give him time to tell us where to find it, how to find it. Uh, we did part one last week, and we're using uh, Moldbug's patchwork as a way to flesh out this civilizational versus primal frame idea that uh, that that Jason's been been working on. So tomorrow night, what's that? Tomorrow night, we've got an interview. That's right. That's right. I almost forgot to mention that tomorrow we are going to be talking to the man, the myth, the legend, the Prudentialist confirmed that tomorrow it'll be at uh, I want to say 5 p.m. Uh, Central. You can, just just follow me on Twitter at Real King Pit. I'll tweet it out uh, tomorrow. But uh, we're going to be talking to him about uh, basically current events, what's going on, PayPal Mafia, um, that sort of thing. So we uh, would love to have you guys join us then. We'll have a great conversation. He's a good guy. I very much enjoy the Prudentialist's streams on with Oren McIntyre. So we talked to Oren last week, I think it was. We're going to talk to the Prudentialist. And then uh, we've got some other interesting guests uh, coming in the near future as well. So thank you guys for showing up, for watching, joining us. Until next time, toodaloo.